Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Get ready for one full hour of great content right here on the Believe Hour. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We welcome you to the program. It is a program, not a show. Hello, Randy. How are you today? I am fantastic. Well, that's good to know. That's good to know. He's a great Randy Cross. Um, I saw something the other day, since you're an old San Francisco 49er, about the passing of Hugh McElhenney. People uh, today wouldn't remember who he was, but he was a hell of a running back. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, you, when, you, when you're drafted by the Niners, you sort of learn some of the history, or at least you used to learn some of the history when you got drafted by a team. Uh, I'm not sure how much is learned and or cared about by the, the, today's players, but you know, when my dad got discharged from the Marines right after World War II, um, he got to go to some of those early um, 49er games back in the, uh, you know, the All-American Conference. And he used to rave about Hugh McElhaney. I mean, they called him the king. And, you know, he and, he and Joe Perry overlapped. And that was something. I mean, it was he was, he was a, about as big of a force as a running back as the league had. Um, you know, back at that time. And you're talking about some pretty good players back then in those days. So, yeah, McElhaney is uh, something. He wore a really unusual number. I think it was 39. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 39 is like kind of the one of the leftover numbers these days. But, uh, no, he was he was something and got a chance to meet him on a few, ca- few occasions too, which was really, really cool because a lot of those old Niners, you know, the 40s and 50s and 60 guys, um, they were always really accessible and more than willing to kind of share their experiences. Refresh my memory, but I remember back in those days, you know, seeing film on it, that uh, the forward pass was kind of like rare. I mean, everybody was running the ball. You know, Cleveland had Jim Brown. He was a premier back. McElhenney in San Francisco, jumping Joe Perry. You met, but uh, the forward pass was something that wasn't that prevalent as it is now. You're listening to the Believe Radio Hour. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you believe? Get ready for one full hour of great content right here on the Believe Hour. The forward pass was something that wasn't that prevalent as it is now. Not quite as much. You know, Otto Graham and the Cleveland Browns, and because they had Otto Graham in the 50s, were, were quite a force. Um... The Rams were a, were a, were a force with Waterfield and and those guys both in Cleveland and L.A. But yeah, it was predominantly a defense and running game kind of a thing. And part of it was the ball. I mean, the ball was transitioning back then. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it was. And pe- people laugh when you say it, but in the early days of the NFL, that was a damn rugby ball. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't made for passing, and they. You know, and, and they acted like it, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a totally different kind of a game. It wasn't you know seven on seven where they let fat guys play. Now uh, he is uh, Randy Cross, one time member of the Forty ers So today in the NFL, we've got things that are decided in the courts of law, as evidenced by um, Deshaun Watson. I think the hearing is going on today, uh, and, and the last I heard is that. Um, uh, the NFL could be looking at a six to eight month suspension. Uh, I, I don't know how the uh, 
Players Association would feel about that or what Watson is willing to do. There are no criminal charges, but there are some civic, civic uh, areas that he's got to deal with. Uh, what do you think the, the outcome of this thing is going to be? And it's, it's Howard, it's anybody's guess. I mean, you're talking about now, what's it, 26 different incidents, allegedly? Yep. Um, 20 of which have been settled civilly. Um, so he's parted with some cash when it comes to that. So there's some, some of that still out there. And, you know, I, I think for a lot of people, when they're talking about, Hey, well, what do you do if, if Houston decided they weren't going to charge him? And I'm, when I say Houston, I mean the city and the DA and all them that they weren't going to charge him with anything. Um, it leaves it completely up to the NFL as to what they want to do. And now that that whole information that came out about the enablement, the enabling that the Houston Texans did as far as coordinating and arranging rooms and stuff like that for him to do that. Uh, that's not only a bad look, it's, it's kind of, a, if I'm Houston, I'm almost as nervous as Deshaun Watson because there's room for some serious slapping around for the Texans too, for their culpability in this whole thing. I'm expecting him not to play in 2022. That's what I have to kind of assume if I'm an NFL fan, if I'm a Browns fan, or if I'm just a, a skeptic. I think you got to figure this season he ain't playing. Um, you look at his contract, Howard. His contract's structured, basically, that 22 is a, a buy. And everything else kind of kind of goes on from there. It's just, I, I don't know. It's It's not a good look, like I said. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate for the league, but, um, you know, they've proven in the past, you don't have to have a conviction to qualify for a penalty. So he's, he's going to get a penalty. Well, Cleveland's married to Deshaun Watson, regardless uh, if he misses the season or not. They got a four-year deal. Uh, I, I questioned the deal when they made it. Like, why would you do that uh, when a possibility existed that he was going to miss some, if not all, of the 2022 season. So, I mean, he's he's going to be a Cleveland Brown for, for the next four years, whether he plays this year or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. That still leaves Baker Mayfield kind of dangling in the wind as to what's going to happen with him. And uh, coming up here pretty quick, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start throwing. So that's another quarterback that's in the mix for teams that will need a – you know, at least one year or a couple of year um, solution at quarterback. But, uh, you know, that, that, that situation with Baker, we don't see that real often. But uh, just like the thing with Deshaun Watson, it's, uh, it's unique and it's not a unique is not always a good thing. Well, the last I heard, um, Baker Mayfield is being linked to the Carolina Panthers. So you hear anything beyond that? That's yeah. I think logic tells people that when you look around, look at the starting quarterbacks. You know, and and it's not terribly unlike Howard. We've seen it covering the league now for thirty something years. Um, every single year, you know, there are ten or so elite quarterbacks. There are another ten or so pretty damn good quarterbacks, and there are ten that are kind of in transition in or out of the league. It seems. So, yeah, I, I would definitely put Baker Mayfield in that ladder, ladder group. He's, he's transitioning. We don't know where yet, yeah. but that's why the association comes 
with the teams that have the quarterbacks they have. Um, I know Pete Carroll has said a lot of stuff about how happy he is in Seattle. I, I just find it hard to believe with what he's got on his roster. He's going to say we can do it with that. Um, but, you know, there's a, some other places where you could see a, a quarterback that can play, a quarterback that can be a, uh, a spark, uh, making a difference uh, in a positive way. And I, I would, I kind of like Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I, like his, I like his swagger and whatnot. I, I just think if he was in a situation where he didn't have to be the guy to always make something happen, he would probably be a little bit better player. But, you know, Cleveland the last few years, they've kind of treated it like, okay, go, go win. And, you know, when you get drafted where you get drafted, that's what they, that's what they do. I mentioned before, I would talk about Randy Cross. I mentioned before about a lot of things would be going through the courtrooms. I don't remember the last time I heard anything about the Brian Flores lawsuit to the NFL. Is that because he's got a job with Pittsburgh? I guess that's got something to do with it. Um, I, I also think it's, you know, it's the, the, the association, the marriage between those that pay through the nose and those that control, control the, uh, the product is, is pretty tight. So I, I'm not too surprised you don't, you don't hear too much about that. He's, he does still have a job, fortunately. And he's in the NFL, and he's with the right club when it comes to that, too. And he's working for the right guy in Mike Tomlin. Because it's a real short list of coaches in this league that if they want a coach that he thinks will make him better, you're going to get a very specific answer or reply from Mike Tomlin you know, about his coach. You know, that, that reply starts in F and ends in U when it comes to uh, his thoughts. I, I love – Mike Tomlin's the way he kind of he does what he wants he he gets what he wants and I think the Steelers do a great job as an organization supporting him and supporting their players and you know kudos to to the opportunity that Flory's had I hope he wins the lawsuit but it's good to see he's still got a job well keep in mind you know the more the most intriguing uh part of the lawsuit is the allegations he made towards the owner of the Miami Dolphins I mean, uh, that, that, that could cost him his franchise if they find out that um, he paid a coach or he offered to pay a coach $100,000 for tanking games. I mean, that just stinks to high heaven. But, you know, who knows how that's going to turn out? Who knows about the Daniel Snyder issue that's going on now? Uh, I mean, there's so many. But let's, let's stick to the field. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill comes out. You know, the new, newest member of the Miami Dolphins comes out and says that, in his opinion, Tua Tagovailoa throws a better ball than Patrick Mahomes. And as soon as I heard that, I said, I think Tyreek took a couple of shots to the head. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's very, let's just say Tyreek Hill is very uh, aware of who's currently watering his lawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> It's a smart thing to do. It really is. I mean, whether he likes it or not, it's a complete opposite of some of those early quotes he got attributed to him, isn't it? You know, where he was calling, he was supposedly questioning the accuracy and the kind of ball and whatnot. Um, he's going to make a quarterback better. Any guy that can take a 10-yard pass and turn it into a 90-yard pass, 
you know, I, I played with a couple of the, the greats when it's come to that run after the catch thing with Rice and John Taylor. Um, that's what Tyreek Hill does. He's a, he scares you to death with the, with the deep ball. Then you say, okay, well, I'll let him catch underneath and then we'll close on him. Well, good luck with that. So yeah, I, I I like the chances, and I think the way that um, t- the way that Tua Tonga Valoa, the way he throws the ball, is going to be just fine because he can he throws one of those balls that is kind of built to run under, and Tyreek Hill is one of those guys that can run under. You're listening to the Believe Radio Hour. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you believe? Get ready. For one full hour of great content right here on the Believe Hour. I look, um, uh, look, we're going to find out very quickly uh, if uh, Tyreek Hill was a star because of Tyreek Hill or because Patrick Mahomes made him a star uh, with Travis Kelsey on the other side of the line. Uh, I, I think Tyreek Hill is one of the premier receivers in the league. And then they, had, they also have Jalen Waddell. That, I think the Dolphin team is going to be kind of an interesting team to watch. Oh, they're going to be a fun team to watch. A really fun team to watch. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be, they'll be, they'll be, they expl, he'll, they'll be explosive. It won't be as explosive as the offense he's leaving. And, you know, obviously won't, neither will the Chiefs, you know, without him at wide receiver. But, yeah, I, I think the Miami Dolphins, you know, they're, they're going to be as, explosive and exciting as the kind of Patriots offense seems semi kind of mundane and boring in a lot of ways. So, well, I, I can't wait to see how this season really works out, you know, not only because of Tua there, but, you know, how, how do the Jets pr- progress? How, how much better are they? Um, and specifically, you know, what's year two going to be like for Mac Jones? What's, what's the Bill Belichick offense going to be like who the heck's running that offense or are we just going to not pretend and say okay bill's running both sides yeah yeah uh that that's a, that's a good point obviously with josh mcdaniels uh, on his uh, in las vegas now but that afc east look we we kind of i think we can agree that buffalo is a premier team in the division uh, you might even go so far as to say they may be the best team in the afc we'll find out but the patriots I don't know. I think part of me says they may be a little bit overrated, and part of it's because who their head coach is and what he can do with the team, what he can do, with, whether it's the offense or the defense. But I think the Jets are going to be very much improved. I like what they did in the draft. I like what they did in free agency. They had a big gaping hole at tight end, and they picked up two in free agency that should, you know, look, a good tight end is godsend to a quarterback. Yeah, it really is. That, that ability to not dominate, but make people concentrate on the middle of the field uh, can be such a, a godsend for the receivers and the quarterback because that means everything from about the numbers out gets a little bit less attention because you're so obsessed. I, I think you make the same argument you know, that you know, the Jets are going to have for the Atlanta Falcons with Pitts and London, the kid from SC. Right. You know, you're talking about a six foot five tight end and a six foot four wide receiver in the middle of the field. That's not going to be that's going to be hard to stop if you do it the right way and you layer things in the right way. So the, the Jets will be that type of a 
that type of a feature. But for as long as the man is up there in Buffalo, you're going to have the same argument, I think, for the Bills that for a long time you had for the Patriots, that everything kind of goes through the best quarterback in the division. Would it be foolish to kind of look past Kansas City without Tyree Kill? Uh, I still think they're a contending team. How do you feel? Yeah, I know. I'm with you 100%. Um, I, it's not unrealistic to say I like them a lot, but maybe you flip the location of the championship game and things maybe come out different. So, you know, and that's what Buffalo needs. Buffalo's got a distinct home field advantage. And if you're that good and your guy's that good and your defense is improved, that's what your number one goal short-term goal and short-term would be before playoffs um goal for the year would be and that's home field advantage so without home field advantage i don't think the result changes much because i'm a big believer that with mahomes there reed there and arrowheads it's not impossible to win at but you come you, you go in there in early january it's pretty doggone close to impossible He's former San Francisco 49er Randy Cross. So I'm going to give you a, a team or a number of teams. You tell me which team will benefit the most by a new player. We've mentioned Tyreek Hill in Miami. Russell Wilson in Denver. Uh, Devontae Adams in Las Vegas. Uh, Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. And Carson Wentz in Washington. Of the names I just mentioned, not necessarily in any order, but which team jumps out at you and saying this team is going to benefit most by this new player? I, I would say Russell Wilson in Denver, um, followed fairly closely by, by Matt Ryan in Indianapolis for almost the same reason, because it, it won't take those guys long to be around both those players. The, the people in this new organization will believe. Uh, not that they didn't believe before, but they'll really believe once they see the work ethic, once they see the product, once they see how much better these guys make their team. But I, I think Russell Wilson clearly will be sort of the uh, the best new guy of all the uh, veteran players out there. But he'll be the best new guy in the, in the NFL. He's going to make a huge difference in the Denver Broncos because I, I just think they, their confidence will be through the roof. And it only has to pay off a couple times early for that to be a real – you know, kind of a tsunami. In the AFC West, probably the toughest division in the NFL. You got Denver, you mentioned, with Russell Wilson, uh, Las Vegas with Derek Carr, the Chargers with Herbert, and Kansas City with Mahomes. I mean, that's a fist fight every time you have a division game. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still, you know, it's, it's to me, it's pretty clear and I know what the season has gone like and 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 the teams and but Kansas City is I think a pretty clear number one there followed by followed by the Chargers um, and I, those two teams will knock each other off and knock each other around and how, how Wilson can come in and kind of affect the dynamic there and early on not the team not the people ever really sleep on the Raiders, Howard. But, you know, Devontae's going to make a big difference being back with Carr. Um, I'm really curious to see, you know, how their how their pass rush is going to be able to to impact the rest of that defense because they've got some some talent when it comes to getting after the quarterback. 
And with that offense being able to produce points and producing points, you know, produces pressure to push the ball and pushing the ball is predicated on protection and being able to get after that guy throwing the ball will be huge uh, for the Raiders. They definitely have the most room for improvement, but I, I love I love what the Chiefs are doing. I love what Andy Reid does, period. And uh, somehow, you know, those coaches that work him for him there, I, I don't understand why more of those guys aren't coaches, uh, head coaches in the league. You know, that, that offense and defense, that's not an accident. That's happened by design. And those are some really talented coaches that, that to me, like especially Eric Bieniemy, kind of tend to get overlooked. He is Randy Cross, former San Francisco 49er. When you look at the uh, AFC North and you see there's going to be a quarterback that we were familiar with for watching him for a long time in Ben Roethlisberger, who's no longer going to be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, how far will they fall? You know, it's a rookie quarterback. I happen to think that Pickett's a, a pretty good young quarterback. But, you know, wouldn't you guess just in, you know, this is the time of the year. This is the guessing season. But wouldn't you guess that best case scenario, I mean, really best case scenario, is for them to have a season not totally unlike or maybe just a notch below what New England did last year with a new rookie quarterback? Because rookie quarterbacks, by tradition and by history, don't just come in and pick pick up where the other guys leave off. That just doesn't happen. So, yeah, I, I would think Pittsburgh's going to have an issue when it comes to that. I think the kid will make them a different style of offense because he does run. You know, I, I sat in the stands at the ACC championship game last year um, and from the second he did that kind of okey-doke fake slide thing, I kind of became a picket fan. I said, just thinking about that impresses me. But being able to pull it off and the way he was throwing the ball, I, I, I think the kid's the real deal. I don't buy the small hands, and I definitely don't buy the stuff about, well, you know, he's going to have to play in some bad weather. He played at Pitt. Yeah. Is the weather different on the other side of the building? Yeah. They practice in the same building. <laughs> <laughs> Look, last year in the Super Bowl, we had the Rams and the Bengals. And a lot of people, uh, they get a little bit more surprised by the Bengals than the Rams. But Joe Burrow, there's no question about his ability and what he can do to help a team win. Uh, how long are the odds to see that, those two teams in the Super Bowl again? Or is that based on history? That's unlikely. I guess you'd say based on history, considering the last time the Bengals were in a Super Bowl was my last game. Um, that would tell you that's also known as a long time ago. <laughs> um, I, I, I think when you're a surprise team, whether you win, but especially if you lose, that next year can be a real bear. I mean, a real bear. And since about 2000, those losing teams in the Super Bowl, you know, the heck with, you know, getting back to the Super Bowl. They don't seem to ever get back to the playoffs at times um, when they when they have that kind of disappointment. It's hard not to get really enamored with that kind of success, especially when you're a young team. But I think having a, having a coach like they do, having a quarterback like that, 
and some of their other some of their other players that I think were really kind of scarred by that loss um, will help them dramatically. Which all that really means they got a shot at being over five hundred, which gives them a chance to get into the playoffs. But you know, I think Joe Burrow, the way he played uh, last year, the only thing he could probably do maybe a little bit more of to pressure defenses even more is use his legs and you know move around a little bit more not only run the pass but run to run and do it smartly he did that really well at lsu and i think he'll do it he'll do it pretty well this year i think they're an improved and a much and a more dangerous offense you're listening to the believe radio hour we'll be right back after these messages do you believe get ready for one full hour of great content right here on the Believe Hour. Look, look the, the division's not very strong, and we both know that. Uh, the Giants are in a rebuild mode. Uh, they made some good moves to improve their roster, but it's all hanging on the shoulders of Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, 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 just before the draft, or was that that day of the draft, they uh, you know, didn't, uh, didn't uh, exercise that fifth year of his contract. So it's all on him. It's either, you know, you want a contract, you better show us something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been, what's the best way to put it? I mean, you can't say he's been great. You can make an argument that he's been pretty good. But you don't draft people where he was drafted um, to be pretty good. And it's this is the this is the Missouri year for him. I mean, this is the show me. This mm-hmm. is, and that's the way they've set it up, like you said. And he'll have, he'll have nobody to blame but himself if he doesn't if he doesn't come through. Because I think they've got some pieces around him that should enable him to uh, to get some work done. But you know, there's not a there's not a harder as you know, Howard. You were there forever. There's not a harder market and a more skeptical market and a more demanding market than New York. Just, you know, look at all the sports, but especially look at the other New York team. I mean, the Jets, they, they, the Jets have been not downtrodden, but they've had an issue. The Giants have had some spots with Eli and winning a couple Super Bowls and winning the way they did. I, I, Daniel Jones is going to have to have one of those if he's capable of this, I'm not convinced it is, but he's going to have to have one of those 30 and 10 or 12 years. You know, the, the years that we didn't see Eli do a whole bunch of, that's the kind of year that we're going to have to see from Daniel Jones to A, get the big contract, but for, for B, for the Giants to be anywhere near what they think they are. Hey, Randy, before I let you go, I got to ask you about uh, a signing that occurred uh, not too long ago uh, where Arch Manning uh, is going to attend the University of Texas. Uh, it, it, I didn't quite understand why he would commit, uh, or I can understand why the university would commit, but why he would commit to uh, a school, not this year, but next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the new, that's sort of the church of what's happening now when it comes to the NIL world and recruiting. Um, it happens all the time now, you know, because we've moved in college football, those, those signing dates around. And, you know, where it used to be the majority of the kids signed in April. Since they went to the early signing idea, well, you know, that's when most of the kids are signed. Most of the scholarships are spoken for. 
Um, so I think if, if you're a skeptic, you look at it and you say, Texas doesn't have the kind of talent that would warrant, you know, spending multiple millions of dollars on a 17, 18-year-old quarterback that won't play for a year and a half who may be good or possibly could be great. Um, but that's 18 months down the road when he plays his first game, maybe. You know? Yep. So, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a different Texas team by then because of the transfer world, because of the NIL world. Don't forget, if you're, you're talking about athletic departments with money, that's number one in the country is Texas. It, it surprised and, me a little that he went and, there. Uh, I, I mean to interrupt. It, it surprised me yeah. a little that he went there. Uh, in view of the fact that Peyton went Early. to Tennessee, Eli went to Ole Miss, um, you know, his grandfather, Archie, uh, uh, I mean, they didn't go to the University of Texas, which is no longer a top powerhouse like it used to be. So I was kind of uh, intrigued with why he would choose to go there. Yeah, I, I think part of it's Sarkeesian and what they sold him on the kind of offense it'll be. Uh-huh. And I think part of it is also he's buying – He's sort of having some of that Kool-Aid of what Sark's selling, and that the Texas in 2022, in June of 2022, will be nowhere near the kind of team you're going to see on the field in September of 2023. By the time they get transfers in there, and by the time they get other freshmen from this class and the next class on the field. Because they've got a laundry list of players they they have to sign. But there's no contending that's a big gamble. But it's also a, bo- a boatload of money, Howard. Yep. A boatload of money. They didn't talk anything about how much that cost them. But when was the last time a Manning did anything cheap? <laughs> right. And, you know, look, we know Peyton had a, had a great career. Archie, I mean, Eli won a Super Bowl, uh, won yeah. two Super Bowls. Uh, but let's not forget what Archie Manning was a damn good quarterback. Oh, Archie Manning was probably one of the best quarterbacks in the in the history of the NFL that maybe never played the playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, he, I, I ended my career or beginning, yeah, about the end, beginning of my career, Arch was at New Orleans. 81, 80, 1980, we played them at Candlestick. And halftime, they were beating us 35 to 7. Hmm. And he was spinning that thing all over the field. And it was like, oh, my goodness. I thought this old guy couldn't play anymore. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Archie was a, a, a truly great quarterback that, you know, people kind of forget, but that's okay. That's, that's, a, that's a function of time. Absolutely. Always great talking to you, my friend. You stay safe. Thanks, Howard. Anytime. He is the great Randy Cross. Hell of a career as an offensive lineman with the 49ers. But even more than that, just a uh, you know, just a guy that really got had a pretty good uh, handle on as a broadcaster. We worked a bunch of games together, and I always enjoyed working with him because he was um, he always come up with. I mean, he, first of all, he made me laugh a lot. That aside, <laughs> not just laughter. So we're gonna shift gears now. Go from the NFL to the NBA. Hi, Howard. And we welcome in Steve Ashburner from NBA.com. I'm, I'm not going to even get get the momentum up to get to the key point, but i got to ask you, 
if you are a franchise that has a great player, but he comes with a lot of baggage, do you stop and think about making a big deal? And I'm talking about Kyrie Irving. I mean, look, Kyrie Irving is a wonderfully talented basketball player, but he was a problem in Cleveland, he was a problem in Boston, and he's been a problem in Brooklyn. So he opted in for his contract for $36 million. Uh, Would you, as a Brooklyn Nets, would you entertain the idea of trading him? Trading him? Absolutely. Um, The difficulty in that proposition is what are you going to be offered for his services? I mean, he's on a one-year deal, expiring contract. Um, The other team not only would have to want to keep him around or at least believe that he could help them on the, on the most short of short-term bases. Um, you know, but probably if they're giving up assets would, um, want to like him enough to have him around long-term at a, at a really hefty price tag. I mean, that's a, there are a bunch of things in there that Kyrie Irving has, um, done to hurt himself. You asked me if the, you know, would I even want him on my team? Well, I'm not a one-strike guy, and and I might be persuaded not to be a two-strikes guy, but three strikes? I mean, what he did to force his way out of Cleveland, what he did to disrupt uh, and and, and essentially rupture that Boston Celtics team when he was brought in to do the opposite, and what he did, you know, what he's done uh, in in Brooklyn, not just with um, his vaccine position, but... um, the way he the way he carried himself as a as a professional or not and the things he did uh, you know fades from practice and and seemingly uh putting himself on equal footing with steve nash as a coach he's got way too much baggage um he's far too pricey i'm not sure if his skill level is still at its maximum um or how much it's it's you know peaked and already started downhill um, no, I don't, I don't want him around. If I have him, if he opted into a deal that I had somehow inherited, I, I, I'd want to try to trade him. But you know, how many, how many franchises of the other 29, um, are interested in taking on all those headaches? Well, I mean, he was given an opportunity to go find a, a, a sign and trade. Well, the way I understood it, only the Lakers would even consider it. And apparently, it wasn't the kind of a deal that that Brooklyn was going to be able to live with. But, I mean, you're sitting there in your locker room the night of a game, and you're wondering whether or not he's going to show up. That is a huge obstacle to deal with. Yeah, and, and I don't, you know, you may mean show up literally. You may mean show up uh, figuratively in terms of how much of him are you going to have on the floor. Um over the course of four quarters, uh, even if he's there in in in, uh, in uniform, will he be there? You know, fully in spirit. Um, you don't know, and and so I mean, I don't in, imagine that uh, the Nets will be facing his actual absence from from games based on what seems to be you know lessening, but always you know able to be snapped back um, virus restrictions. Um, I don't know where Canada stands, whether he could go and play in, in Toronto to this day um, when the Nets have to play up there. But it's just too much about him, not enough about the team, not enough about teammates, not enough about his alleged friend, Kevin Durant, you know, who is, he, he sort of has lashed his 
um, future, uh, certainly presence and present and for the short term future to uh, to Kyrie Irving and maybe getting tired of it. I mean, it's just it's look, Kyrie seems to me like a an interesting fellow with whom you might want to have a conversation if it was totally unrelated to the NBA and basketball and neither of you were trying to earn a living um, in that pursuit. You know, he's got different ideas and I like when people discuss different things and even bring different viewpoints. But the only reason we pay attention to Kyrie Irving, the only reason he matters to us and, you know, we in the media matter to him is because of basketball and and he's got that on a back burner uh, to, you know, in some way, shape or form. So, um, it's gotten old and and i think that he and you know there are a couple other players in this league that are victims of their own success when that success is translated into mega contracts and the privileges of of being you know a, a franchise face um you know in terms of turning into a prima donna or whatever it is and and Kyrie is is probably the the president of that club but i mean you got guys like james harden russell westbrook where you know the, they make so much money, and they're so difficult to manage in one way or another, um, and and blend in with a team and actually see the success. That uh, you know, you got to say to yourself, is it worth it? Do you want a team influenced, um, you know, to the deficit by by these type of guys? You know, there's a reason that that guys like Kevin Garnett and Giannis Antetokounmpo and you know. Um, so for I mean, for the most part, Luka Doncic right. and you know just some of the best names in in the game have been team first guys. Certainly have comported themselves within the context of the team, even as their individual stars rose. He is Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. You're listening to the Believe Radio Hour. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you believe? Get ready for one full hour of great content right here on the Believe Hour. Tim Roy is a friend of mine, the radio broadcaster for the Warriors. And he said that uh, Clay Thompson's got a great sense of humor. And considering what he's been through over the last two years, he better have because I don't know know uh, anybody who's been dealt from the bottom of the deck in sports more than Clay Thompson. Well, what happens when they win? You know, uh, Draymond drops some some F-bombs and Clay Thompson says, holy cannoli. So right there, there's an amusing difference. Always great to enjoy talking with you, Steve. You stay safe. Thanks. You got it, Howard. He's Steve Ashburner of NBA.com. One thing that's great about the world of sports is always something to talk about. I don't have a rooting interest in individual players per se. I did root for Clay Thompson. I have to admit that. And I did root from an old friend of mine, Al McCoy, who's been broadcasting Phoenix Suns games for 50 years, that he didn't get a chance to win a ring this year as a, uh, for the first time in his career calling a championship team. Uh, been to the finals three times, but didn't capture the ring just yet. So I root for Al. Uh, I root for guys that, that are self-effacing, that don't look at me, look at me, look what I did. That, that's why uh, Kyrie Irving bothers me a little bit. Draymond Green bothers me a little bit, truthfully. The guy's a wonderfully talented player. He's a leader on the team. He just runs his mouth way too much. And I just wish he, wish he would stop. You know, I get what the game is. 
He's trying to distract you from your job by playing physical as he does. Look, Dennis Rodman did that. Bill Lambeer did that. You're not breaking new ground, Draymond. You got a championship team. Play as a member of the team. It's not about look at me, look at me, look at me. I said what I want to say. You stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. You're listening to the Believe Radio Hour. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.